It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? Letting the days go by, letting the water hold me down, letting the days go by, water flowing underground, end of the blue again, after the Hey, fun fans, it's another episode of We Enjoy. We are the Mattitude Eric. I am Matt Fowler. Say hello, Eric Goldman. Hey, everyone. Do I sound better to you? I would hope so. We, I think we cracked the case here, uh, Jeff yeah. Solomon, who was actively trying to help me make uh, both of us sound better. I think I solved myself last week, but this mm-hmm. week for sure we solved Eric sounding a little like bit a, better, a little higher himself. volume. His yeah. greatest case was himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those movies where, yeah, the person's trying to find themselves... Um, <laughs> I was actually just going to list a bunch of movies with that twist, and then I realized I would ruin all those movies for people. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like, (laughs) and then I realized, but then, seriously, how many people out there are going to watch Angel Heart, Eric? None, probably. (laughs) No one. That's not, I mean, I'm sorry, was that going to be your good thing to enjoy this week? It was not. <laughs> oh, by the way, I forgot. We'll, we'll, when we get to it, we'll deal with it. I was like, we've, we've only been doing this podcast a few weeks, and I'm already like, hey, have I already recommended this or not? <laughs> wow. You love like a thousand movies, though. So what are the odds that you would have recommended it already? Well, maybe I'm a TV show, but I know I've been... See, the problem is I also do like other things where I like have been recommending things. So I, this thing I, wanted, I was going to recommend, I know I recommended recently at least on sju at fandom 
but I don't know if I've done it on the podcast, so we'll find out. It'll I mean, I could tell you the movies you've recommended right now and waste time. <laughs> I have, a, if you've noticed our Google document, I have a whole bullet point here that just says bullshit. Have 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 I recommended a TV show yet? Yes, you did, but it, it was uh, okay. It was a, it was technically a mini series, but it was a TV show. Okay, then, then last if, week. If it's just that one, I think that was two weeks ago. But either way. Uh, no, you're right. It was last week because we do, did two episodes last week. Time, it's all whatever. Yeah, we've been, here. we've been at home for a year as of this week. So actually, what? being stuck in an apartment is part of my good thing to enjoy this week. Actually, it's huh? not a movie at all. It's just called being stuck in an apartment. <laughs> my thing to enjoy this week is life. My thing to enjoy this week is Angel Heart. Oh no! Um, <laughs> so uh, hopefully, Eric sounds a little clearer, a little louder, less distant. Uh, he was speaking Emotional. through his built-in microphone and not his blue daba dee daba da microphone, as uh, <laughs> the song that he was singing right as I uh, called him on Skype. Uh, what yeah. uh, we know, we all know that song. We all know that it's also the opening to Iron Man three. But what was the name of the band who did that? Eiffel sixty five. That's say. right. Why did I want to say Aqua? That's Barbie Girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get it. Eiffel sixty five. That's fine. I'm blue, daba dee, daba die. Um, you know what song I have stuck in my head right now? And it's not even a song. It's just something I tweeted like an hour ago. So now I'm just singing in my head. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon, Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier. Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier. Zemo's in the Zemo mask, mask now. now. Stucky Power. Cool. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I retweeted you because I like that a lot. Okay. Uh, that uh, not only plays into next week where uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier will debut on disney plus but also a little bit of news this week that we'll get into kind of gaming news kind of music news but both things we enjoy that are smashing together head on in a collision course of goodness mm-hmm. uh we, you can find eric and myself on twitter at the matt fowler and the eric goldman the podcast is at we enjoy podcast on twitter and the email is we enjoy podcast at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter uh, through Patreon, if you're a Patreon subscriber, and that is patreon.com forward slash we enjoy uh, podcast. And for $2 a month, you can get a commercial free version of this podcast. That's right. No commercials at all. And guess what I did this week? I went into uh, Spreaker where this podcast is hosted and I looked at the little ad preferences and I unlocked sexual ads, Eric. So uh, now the. the <laughs> Now, uh, uh, I don't know what the, I, aside from like oh, no. boner, boner p- your ears. Well, now aside from like boner pills, I don't know what that means. It's all boner pills, right? What else is it? It's not like a chat line or something. Did those don't even exist anymore? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if anyone gets a sexy ad, please let us know. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> curious. Uh, I, I, I did not unlock political ads. So, so. <laughs> even though it's probably safer now, uh, out of election season. Okay. So I think uh, what we started last week, doing the news first, worked well, and then going to emails instead of starting with uh, what the what the listeners wrote in about. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these are, are quick hits, and some of those we can uh, dive a little deeper into, um, especially since, ah, oh, man, how much are we even going to talk about the Snyder Cut coming up next week, Eric? We're gonna, <laughs> are we going to be in the weeds with that? Are we going to ignore it? I don't know. It's not, it's not either of our cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, but it's still a hap- we, we, it's still could, happening. We could do an episode about it, um, which I mean, <laughs> I think would probably be fairly critical of Zack Snyder's approach to the DC characters. I know, um, but I, 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 a, I would uh, advise us against doing that, just because uh, we <laughs> we would become magnets for 
yeah. uh, a certain type of toxicity, uh, even mm-hmm. if we are as kind as it to it as possible. I haven't seen it. Maybe it's fucking amazing. It's not. It's not amazing. But I'm saying... Um, <laughs> I did uh, rewatch uh, all the prior Snyder movies. Uh, not all of his movies, but all the DC ones. Uh, yeah, they're not for me. <laughs> I listened to a lot of Fred Schneider songs in preparation Ooh, for it. Those are for me. Yeah, those are for me. Remember when I peed next to Fred Schneider? I don't. And he, and he, and he started pissing on my shoe, and he went, Tin Roof Rusted. And he just, I don't, but I, I hope everything you just said is true. No, I did. It was at the TCAs uh, when B-52s okay. played, and we were both in the... Um, the Langham yeah. piss room, the bathroom, <laughs> and and he was at the urinal close to me. The, the bathroom where you threw. <laughs> Is that where I ditched an entire sandwich? What was it? Know. Where you threw your 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 food? Your... I don't know why they thought so much that you threw your dirty food into. Uh... What you thought was a trash can. Why was it uh, dirty food? Jesus Christ. I think Eric just unlocked his own miso soup moment right now. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> I don't get in the bathroom so many times that it always makes me laugh. I don't know why. That there is that... It's a fancy bathroom at a fancy hotel, so they have cloth, nice linen, um, you know, towel ats to want to dry your hands with instead of paper towel. That's for the peons. Uh, but Matt walked in and he had like his like his like you know uh, like leftover like the the remnants of your lunch in like a styrofoam thing, like a thing you would throw into with the trash. But you didn't realize it wasn't a trash can; it was a receptacle for the. Dirty oh, lip- it was like it was a hamper. It was a hamper. Oh, I get it. Because right now I'm like, I guess it's inherently funny to throw a sandwich away in a bathroom. But why is Eric so into, why can't I dispose of food in a receptacle? But I I remember now it was an actual linen hamper. <laughs> and and that, like, you've been there for years at TCA, but I still chuckle about that when I go in there. I don't know. It just gets me. All right. So uh, <laughs> speaking of how we won't probably be doing a Snyder Cut episode just because it would uh expose you, it was it would expose our bellies too much and make us too vulnerable but, sure sure uh we did do a wandavision recap episode you may have noticed dropping into your feed that we did a bonus episode all about wandavision uh mostly focusing in on the finale and where uh, the characters could go in the mcu from there but also talking about the season overall so make sure you catch up on that when you watch all of wandavision so if you have not, don't do that. Uh, go watch Angel Heart, though, because I gave away the twist, so that's fine. Um, so uh, in the news, I, I wrote this down very quickly. Uh, I don't mean to like follow every single step of the Borderlands movie. It's a video game franchise. I really yes, you do, Matt. You do. No, no, I, I really wrote it's this down. Nonsense here every week that I don't understand. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> Tina? Yeah. yeah, now you're like, Florian is Krieg. What the fuck is that? You're just um, making things. So the, the uh, character, uh, Vault Hunter character from Borderlands 2 named Krieg, he's a psycho bandit class. He was cast for the Borderlands movie and Creed 2, not Krieg 2, Creed 2's Florian Muntenu, I'm not saying that right and I don't care about it. Uh, he's a super buff dude. He played uh, Drago's son in Creed 2 and he's playing Krieg. 
And uh, also, just an MCU connection, he is playing Razor Fist in the Shang-Chi movie. So he's got that coming out as well this summer. But uh, I bring that up because I kind of want to dunk on idiots or just complain about them again. Because of uh, you get all this, the vast spectrum of uh, casting news obtuseness when it comes to this Borderlands movie. Whether it's Kevin Hart is too short or Jamie Lee Curtis is too old for video game characters that don't exist. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. And so when IGN posted this news story on IGN's Facebook account, the first couple comments underneath were, man, the casting for this movie, uh, I'm paraphrasing, the casting for this movie's been been uh, bullshit, but at least this guy looks like the character. Mm-hmm. Because he's a riff buff dude, you know? Right, right. So literally what we've been talking about is... And, and I'm guessing white? <laughs> yep. But also, right. <laughs> But also the fact that out of the cast so far, this is the least actory guy he's an athlete whose first movie i think was creed 2 mm-hmm. you know what i mean he probably came from uh athletic background if not just a bodybuilding background yeah so we're talking about like acclaimed people with deep imdb like legacy logs uh versus this new guy who everyone approves of because he's got abs you know what right. I mean? So it's it's literally, basically, I put this on there because it's literally what we're talking about. Everyone likes this casting because he can look like the guy. That's right. all they so care this, about. This is um, in the 90s when I would read Wizard Magazine, which I loved, uh, you know, which was like the comic book magazine, the magazine about comics without, you know, a lot of internet to give us comics info. But they do, they would always do like, you know, if we cast or like who they should cast in um, all these movies that at that point were just imaginary because no one was making comic book movies at the time. Uh, and I always remember that they would they would do this. Like X-Men is the one I always remember because it was Iman. Am I saying your name right? A Storm, the model. Yeah, yeah. Because she is beautiful and <laughs> looked like Regal. And Glenn Danzig is Wolverine. <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. <laughs> and who cares if either of them could act for shit? 
yeah he, he cares you know that's look they kind of look like them so oh. that's our choice <laughs> oh it's so infuriating because eric who's gonna believe a Dogtown boy honestly <laughs> Uh, Sorry, that comes uh, later. That comes later. D-Town? A skateboarder? No, that's, that's, that comes that's later funny. for the RoboCop talk. Can I also interject into the news here how absolutely furious I am about this week's homework? <laughs> I <laughs> fucking hated spending th- two-thirds of a Snyder Cut watching these awful <laughs> fucking RoboCop shows that, honestly, if I hadn't gone over my notes, they totally blend together in my head because they're oh, both... Oh, really? I, I... Well, we'll get to it. I, the, 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 I thought the second was discernibly better than the first. Not that it was great, but... <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, God, Eric. This is this was an awful journey. and It, and, was, and, tough, it was a tough one. I feel, But I feel very, very torn at this point about, like, the two stages of myself battling of, like, quality content for listeners... Uh, or even for those who choose to watch along with what our main event is versus being a completionist. Like, what wins out? Because next week I'm like, do we make the main event still the animated shows? Or do we just talk about them briefly and the main event is something else? I think we make it that because Mm. especially, first of all, it's it's such a less thing to watch. I mean, it'll take under an hour to watch those two. I know. Um, I'm not talking about, like, our... Like oh, oh, workload. Oh. I'm talking about just like as a main event that people are actually interested in at this point. With the Robocop has been nothing but diminishing returns since the first movie. It never peaked. It never <laughs> like the needle never ticked up in the slightest <laughs> ever since the first movie. And as we'll get to with the main event, everything works to prove that Robocop isn't a sustainable story after that first movie. Like, he's just not a character that can... To the point where, in 2, we talked about how long he vanished from that movie. The same thing happened in the TV show. The same thing happens in every RoboCop story, is that in order for a RoboCop story to work, RoboCop has to leave the story for, like, 40 minutes. (laughs) I'll be back, but I leave you in these capable hands. (laughs) Here's Gadget. Okay. Um, Here's Gadget. So, okay. Uh, back to the news. So uh, Florian Montanu is Krieg, Eric, because he cares <laughs> so much. Great. Uh, equally ridiculous name, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch has gone on record saying that he is not uh, interested in the slightest in playing Grand Admiral Thrawn, live action version of that uh, uh, Star Wars character that was name dropped in The Mandalorian Season 2. People would know from the um, novels. And from and the animated version of himself, where he was voiced by, was it Mads Mikkelsen's brother, Lars, right? What's his name? Lars, Lars Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen yep. Okay, so Cumberbatch said, uh, that's a straight no from me right now. Mm-hmm. There's no way I want to be turned blue. I turned, the, I turned the air blue very recently. No, seriously. I have precious time with my children. And I think sitting in a makeup chair and being painted blue and the amount of time it would take to do that and then take it off at the end of the day. It's not just the right time in my life for that. Um, so he has gone on record saying he is not Thrawn, which means, Eric, if you go by Benedict Cumberbatch's track record, there's a 50-50 <laughs> chance he's playing Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's probably unlikely he's playing Thrawn, uh, only also because of the fact that he is Doctor Strange. And while it's not like you can't do both Star Wars and, and Marvel at the same time, I just I don't see him doing that. It's funny. I was just mentioning someone how I keep getting press releases for movies with Benedict Cumberbatch. 
Uh, like he's he does a lot of like these smaller movies, and he's got that one with Jodie Foster that he produced. And yeah, but isn't that the rule? In order to do the smaller movies, you got to do the big yeah, swans. Yeah, but I'm saying, but he's he's Doctor Strange. Like he's got it covered. Um, you know, and he's, yeah, he's filming the big Doctor okay. Strange. Okay, well, here's right the now. thing: he lied about being Khan. He lied <laughs> they, about they, they, he, they he, lie. he lied about being Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. there is no logical reason to believe anything benedict cumberbatch ever says you are at a correct press you're correct I, I do understand that track record but i also don't think he's done um i i think uh you know it, he's become like a big fan casting and of course fan castings become real uh but then sometimes people are just trying so hard to manifest them i mean to the point i mean like you know people said how funny it was that like there literally was like articles that were like fans upset that John Krasinski didn't appear as Reed Richards <laughs> in WandaVision, which, which was is never a thing. Which was ever yeah. promised to us. Not the character, not the actor. It is 100%. Man, but, it, but, you know, look, you go back to um, the DeVito as the Penguin began as like a fan thing, and then it became real. So these things happen sometimes, but other times they don't. I'm saying he's Thrawn. So <laughs> right. there you go. And <laughs> he is uh, – he's doing Thrawn so he can do The Courier, whatever that movie is he's promoting right now. The little ones, the little, the little wee movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who should play Thrawn? Honestly, Glenn Danzig. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> and then Iman should be what is Thrawn's little creatures? <laughs> oh, right, right. The Yasarli. Yeah, that's yeah. Iman. Iman is she alive still? Oh no. Yeah, yeah, no, she is because Bowie was. You know, they were married, and she's, I know, but he died, so she shouldn't she have gone right afterwards? <laughs> that's not how it works, Matt. I forget. I have to explain that to you. <laughs> no, but they, but they were together, so she needs to go too. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. All right. <laughs> Uh, going back to what I was singing earlier in the podcast, so this came as a uh, very pleasant surprise. Not just the news that there is now a uh, coming. Well, I'm you know I'm not plugged into all game news, uh, despite writing for IGN. I just it's not my world. But there is a game called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, I believe that's the name, and it's sort of inspired by, if not the sequel to the side-scrolling brawler. Uh, Ninja Turtle games from the arcade, like mm-hmm. uh, 1991's like Ninja Turtles: Turtles in Time, or mm-hmm. uh, so it's 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 very much in the vein of those old arcade games with better graphics, but still in that 16-bit style. Yep. And the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme from the animated series, uh, who you uh, informed me, which I didn't know, was written by Chuck Lorre, and I didn't know if that was one of those like fake news things that where it's like James Lipton wrote the Thundercats theme, theme and he didn't. <laughs> you know, it's like he didn't. It just became a weird urban legend about James Lipton and Thundercats. Um, but so this one is done and covered by an artist that uh, Eric and I are huge fans of, Mike Patton. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Who is one of those people who is beloved, but also probably very under the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, it's one of those. He's he has um, so many weird irons and different weird fires. Like he's known as the man of a thousand bands. He's he's the singer or voiced artist for a lot of bands. His most popular band being Faith No More. But he's in does a lot of either. He has a lot of other side projects and side bands, or he guests on people's songs and albums. Like, he was on a Bjork album just doing voice Mm -hmm. stuff. Or um, he was actually the voice of the darkness in the darkness video game. So all that demon noise, that was him. Ah. So he does gaming. He does a lot of stuff. He does uh, movie scores. He did the score, a very great score, to Crank 2 High Voltage. Uh, 
Yep. Um, along with uh, A Place Among the Pines, which was sort of an artsy uh, small film where Ryan Gosling met uh, Ava Mendez. Yeah, it's funny because he's like he's he works so much. He's so prolific. Uh, he has a million bands. But to the mainstream, they would really only know Faith No More um, and wouldn't know I mean, Mr. Bungle, I guess, to some degree. But then he's got all these other bands that are really just very kind of cult bands. Um, that, yeah, he's know, got have... Phantomas and Tomahawk, and uh, he had a solo-ish album called Peeping Tom. His new band is called Dead Cross, and it's just sort of like actually sort of hardcore metal. And mm-hmm. But then when I saw Dead Cross a few years ago uh, here in the Dallas area, they covered Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi's Dead. So that was uh, one of my first experiences of Mike Patton crisscrossing uh, and cross-pollinating with something else I really love, which is Bauhaus. Right. And this is the second time, I think, where now he's doing the TMNT theme. And uh, I think I'll actually play a little bit of that uh, in the outro of this podcast so people can get a listen up to it. But you can also just Google it and listen to the trailer for the game where you can hear the whole song. Uh, yeah, it was very fun to hear him do that. Uh, and yes, Chuck Lurie did really did write that song. Uh, Chuck Lurie has like early days were all like writing like 80s animation like Mask and Pole Position. Uh, but the Ninja Turtles theme song is kind of his biggest, uh, obviously long lasting claim to fame uh, sticking around. And uh, then he, you know, made billions and billions of dollars making hugely <laughs> successful sitcoms uh, in the Bazingaverse. Yeah. Yes. I th- uh, Mike Mike Patton, uh, you know, who Matt and I have seen in concert many times together and separately, uh, with mostly Faith No More, but certainly many of his other bands too. Um, I one of my coolest experiences seeing him is tragically part of my my lost photos. I had a laptop years ago, pre having stuff on the cloud, a laptop die, and I have like all my photos from like 2006, 2007 were lost, including the photos from the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia season two premiere which was an early thing I covered for IGN when no one cared about that show. Tiny, like a small venue for the premiere. And because Danny DeVito loves Mike Patton so much, he performed there. And I was like right up, you know, again, it was like a small little place. So I had great pictures of him. I have one picture. I still have Caitlin Olsen and Danny DeVito rocking out to him. Uh, Well, uh, so the the, the always sunny Mike Patton connection is interesting because he and Danny DeVito are super close friends. Yeah. And it all came from literally Danny DeVito was at some music festival and heard he some band. Yeah, he was hearing a band play and he's like, who's that? And it was actually Fantomas. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what is this band? And then he and Patton became fast friends to the point where two times now I've seen Faith No More, once with you, <clears throat> uh, Danny DeVito has been in the proximity of the stage. Like when we right, saw right. them once uh, in L.A., Danny DeVito was, you could see him standing off stage, but then like during one song, he just sort of slowly wandered into the middle of the stage and just stood around. Yeah. Like it just, but when I saw them play at Coachella, uh, 2009, I can't remember the year, Danny DeVito streaked across the stage. <laughs> very, very much, very Frank Reynolds, like just running naked across the stage. But anyway, uh, the always sunny, uh, a few of the, I think Glenn Howerton and maybe another uh, cast member of Always Sunny are also I know I, are them. are Patton fans, so it's not like mm-hmm. they knew him through Danny DeVito. They were already Mike Patton fans, so that's why. But on then actual... they got Meta and the Always Sunny episode. That's kind of all from Frank's point of view and how he sees the world. Mm-hmm. Plays a couple different Faith No More songs when Frank's like driving around. Yeah. It's like that's Frank's music too. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we love Mike Patton. <laughs> we were happy. We were was... happy to hear both like that. <laughs> okay. Um, 
More quick news. The cast to Mission Impossible 7 has expanded a bit. Uh, Previously, I think we only knew about extra additional people, Haley Atwell and Isai Morales. And anyone else extra we knew about besides uh, Henry Cerny? Um, trying to remember. I feel like there was at least one other. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Person. Did, did uh, we know Shea Wiggum, or is, was he in this crop of news? Plum, no, we knew about Shea Wiggum. And we also knew about uh, Plum, Plum, Plum Clementife from yes, Guardians. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so the newest uh, members of the cast are Carrie Elwes, uh, who everyone would know from the Saw franchise and Princess Bride. And if you haven't listened to us recap the Saw franchise, you can go back to those episodes of We Enjoy Wrestling when we went through all the Saw movies. Uh, Mark Gattis, who was on Game of Thrones, was also a writer for what Sherlock, Doctor Who. I can't, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. What was what did Gattis uh, work on? Sherlock. He was on Sherlock too, so he must yeah. have written for that. Okay, uh, Charles Parnell, uh, Indira Varma, who was on Game of Thrones. She was like not the Sand Snakes, but she was the leader of the Sand Snakes. But she was their dorm. mom. Yeah, and. Uh... She uh, was. She's had a couple of cool weeks because she was just announced to be in Obi Wan. Uh, she'll be on that show, uh, and now she's also going to be in the Mission Impossible. And movies. you were like, Cumberbatch can't be Thrawn and Doctor Strange, and look at her. <laughs> it's a little different. different. All right, <laughs> and Rob Delaney. So that's interesting since I just watched him in Tom and Jerry a few weeks ago. So uh, uh, I don't know that I've seen him do. Straight, straight man. You know what I mean. I have. But now have you seen come... him in a drama? I don't know if I've seen him in a drama, but I know. You know, Deadpool two was not a drama. Right? I know. De- oh, you know, I might be thinking about like I know he's been like still like comic presence, but I you know he was in Hobbs and Shaw, and like not being like overtly zany as much as just. Like, oh, I know. Like, I'm not saying he has to fucking fall on a banana peeler. Right. I'm just saying, yeah. like, and he farts. And, yeah. <laughs> Just farty fall down. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so those are, uh, we don't know who they're playing, but those people are in the movie now. Mm-hmm. And um, other quick news, Avatar is getting a uh, wide re-release in China. Yep. Coming up. And uh, 
some people were a little mean mad about it because uh, it, it'll take about a day for that movie to once again become the number one movie of all time. Because yeah. <laughs> Endgame's uh, edge on Avatar is only about $8 million. So yeah. Avatar just needs to make that much in a theater, uh, and it will. So uh, Endgame had a, had, a, had a good short transitional champion run, but it's going back to the original champ. So It, it will, and look, you know, I, I fucking love Endgame. Uh, and Avatar, like I admire it on a technical sense, I didn't connect with it emotionally, uh, though I don't hate it. Um, but... It's like it's just so silly to me when people are like mad about this or this isn't fair. None of it's fair. And first of all, Endgame got that like late in the game re-release anyway. They did get some... re-release, yeah. Yeah. And Ticket sold Avatar always. It sold more. It's fine, guys. Uh, it, it's <laughs> Disney wins no matter what. Uh, Disney would be psyched if people were so into this that they feel like they they can keep re-releasing them, so they keep going back and <laughs> forth. And you just help Disney. Uh, but also, yeah, it's like it's it's just no matter what they were going to put, I thought Avatar re- was going to get a re-release before the sequel comes out because it just felt like, oh, you know, it's, it's that kind of movie anyway. Oh, it for sure would because nobody remembers that movie. Right. So. And they want to put it back into the consciousness. So but then last year when um, China was, you know, because, again, China was the first place to be stricken by coronavirus, the her first place to shut down. Hence, they were then they were the first ones to reopen. They when they were going to get a bunch of like big Hollywood movies, classic ones to play. This didn't end up happening because they had to kind of slow down their reopening. But Avatar had been approved last year. It didn't happen. Now it is. But yeah, pre-sales, I think I read yesterday, was already like 5.5 million. It will very easily uh, beat Endgame this weekend to be the number one movie again. And that's fine. And there's something to me that like feels good about that in a weird way. Also because it was funny on Twitter, someone said to me um, when I was tweeting about this, someone said, uh, oh, yeah, you know uh, – it's, it, that makes sense. But they said something about like, I wonder, you know, it, it would have to be like another Avengers movie or something to to really pass it again. And I thought, God, that's the thing about Endgame even being the number one movie ever is that if you look at the movies that have always been the number one movie of all time, they were never sequels into Endgame until Endgame. Yeah. Like, so the, the Gone with the Wind, mm. Jaws, Star Wars, Titanic, Avatar, they were all like a an event that came not out of nowhere sometimes because they were well promoted, but like a something that got people to go to the theaters that never go to the theater, you know, that kind of like cause seismic movie event. I mean, so we, Endgame yeah, being we, like we, a 23 movies in the making, you know, 22 movies in the making, it was was different, you know, back when it happened. That was what we were. I think we all marveled a little bit about Avatar back when Endgame beat it just because it did. It was its own movie. Yeah. And that. Endgame only sort of made that much money because it was like the like the first big end to a, a decade long story that had been building up, like you said, through twenty three movies, uh, that culminated in this one giant crossover movie that everyone had been waiting for for so long. Whereas Avatar had none of that; it wasn't based on anything. It wasn't, it, you know, it was yeah, it wasn't even from like a massively popular source material. It was no. just out of nowhere and. Uh, you know, you talk about lightning in a bottle. It was the 3D of it too, which was super big oh, for yeah. about three or four years uh, around the time Avatar came out. So, and then in the wake of Avatar, everything had to be well, 3D and Avatar retrofitted. Did it so well, and then everyone else just copied it, but usually badly. Uh, I, think know, just- I, I think I think I settled on the fact that the the best 3D movies I had seen were How to Train Your Dragon and Tron Legacy, and then Avatar, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. Is, There were other ones that were okay, but those were when I remember specifically sitting in the theater going, wow, this movie 
is better because of the 3D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it just, um, it just, you know, even with with the MCU, you know, yes, there was there's going to be another movie called Avengers eventually, but I don't think they can ever replicate Endgame. Uh, just again, they'll be wildly successful. I'm not worried about them. Um, but just as far as like, yeah, that culmination, that you know, thing that we at the, by the time Endgame opened, it had been going on so long that all these kids had grown up with it and had this sort of connection to it. We knew that some of these actors were going to be done after this movie, so it just that like everything led to that. The only movie that had a chance of doing that, uh, and similarly was like massive, was. Force Awakens, except that Star Wars was never a global success on the scale MCU is. So Force Awakens is the number one movie ever in America. Uh, I can't remember if Endgame might have passed it, but it was when it opened, but not globally because Star Wars just didn't have that footprint, uh, you know, that said so they couldn't do that. So it, it would shock me if uh, we – I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't be shocked if we never again after Endgame get a number one movie of all time that is a sequel. Uh, I think it's it makes more sense that it's going to be these things that uh, a year out people could, would never consider would become the biggest movie ever. And as RoboCop has proven, um, the first movies are you, not always, not always, but not always. usually the best. <laughs> and uh, you can never recapture that again, no matter how you try through movie sequels or TV shows or animated series. I think that also, you know, calling Endgame a sequel to is weird because it's not it is a sequel to the MCU, but like. It's a sequel to everything that came before it. It's not like it's not like right. a direct sequel to. Uh, well, it is to Infinity War, but you know what it's, I mean. Yeah, it's thing. not. Like, I'm saying it's not like Hellraiser two. I'm saying. Um, uh, by the way, I, I, it's funny. I, my first instinct was right. Force Awakens is still the biggest movie ever in America, um, which is crazy. It's 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 936 million versus Endgame's 858 million. Uh, so again, uh, that that's that's impressive in itself. Uh, but uh, yeah, Avatar. Is, it was just operating at a different level as far as being like a a visual event that people who didn't even go to the movies felt like they had to go see that, you know, just connected with people on a certain level. Uh, speaking of the future of the MCU, good news for Disney Plus, which this past week reached uh, 16 months after it launched 100 million subscribers. Yep. So that's pretty big. I think they're only they're like literally half of Netflix right now after six sixteen months only. So it's 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 very impressive. It's way beyond any of the predictions were like you know both both Disney was making publicly, which you know they're always going to underdo because they want to you know sound like oh we surpassed expectations, but no one was making the guess that they would get this big this quickly. Yes. You can, you know, it's impossible to not wonder, like, how much COVID, quote unquote, helped them uh, because everyone was stuck at home. So Yeah, but like, every, every, that should have helped all the streamers. Yeah, yeah. It's just that, but you have, of course, you have to look at the fact that Netflix is, is already, you know, has had been starting to plateau. So Netflix, by the way, is, I think they ended last year with, um, like, 204 million. But for the, for, for Disney Plus to already be at almost like half, you know, uh, of what they have is incredibly impressive. Nobody else who's launched in the past couple of years has touched, gotten close. No, to no, not at all. Yeah. And I don't think ever will. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's going to be Netflix and Disney plus, you know, and we'll see if five years from now, if they're like, I'm even like neck and neck. I feel like Netflix, just the inroad they have is kind of being like everything for everyone they're, because their, their brand being like, we just have all kinds of stuff. They might stay number one. Uh, but I think Disney plus will get very close to them as the years go on. 
All right. Let's get into some uh, things that our, our listeners wrote in about. Just very briefly, we don't have that. Actually, I don't we have any emails this week. It's all Patreon and Twitter. So very quickly here. Then we'll get into our good things to enjoy. Do you have one? I forget. I didn't ask you. Uh, yes, that. yes. After you told me that I, Devs was the only TV show I, I yes, I yes. Done. yes. Uh, and it's not Angel Heart, right? Because I already it's not it. Angel Heart. It's Angel Heart the series, animated series. Oh wow, that would have worked well for kids. I think totally yeah, good. Good. Uh, all the kids who wondered why Lisa Bonet was now no longer on. Um, did that get her kicked off? That yeah, a different world, right? She was only on for a season because of that movie. God, it was. Was it like Cosby? Being yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh you, beacon God. of virtue, Bill Jesus. Cosby. Jesus, wow! Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like getting her kicked off because of a. a very, you know, interestingly risque sex scene in Angel Heart. All right. Um, so uh, Nikolai writes in on Twitter just to let us know, because I have not actually started watching the Punky Brewster revival yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do have Peacock now because I officially canceled WWE Network, signed up for Peacock Premium, and now I'm just waiting for that WWE content to arrive in a week, <laughs> uh, which we should mention uh, not all the content is coming at once. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of archival stuff that will not be available. So for people who use the WWE Network for that, uh, you know, heavily are pretty pissed off when I don't blame them. But they can watch the Punky Brewster revival. So what are they complaining about? <laughs> uh, he writes in just to let us know that basically uh, in one of the episodes, uh, Punky Brewster references Sherry's irrational fear of refrigerators. And to which I say, it's a rational fear. <laughs> yeah, I know. What is what is irrational about that? Died. I think she <laughs> did die, Eric. I don't <laughs> think she almost died. I think she had to get pulled away from the light, specifically. Um, <laughs> and it was better there, Punky. <laughs> yeah. And you know who didn't help? Fucking Alan. Nope. <laughs> God, Damn. I hate him. Okay. And... Um, <clears throat> JM writes in on Twitter, uh, I am on the second Robocop TV show now, and this is easily the worst homework assignment I've ever been given. Uh, see, I told you, Eric, we're going to lose people with this show. I'm not saying it was great, man. I'm saying, but I'm saying we're, we're going to shed people. Um, Jason writes in on Twitter. Jason, to, to the end of the line, Matt, or to the end of the line. By the way, tangent. Uh, because I'm quoting, I've been watching all the MCU movies this week. So I was thinking when I was watching, um, when I was watching Winter Soldier, uh, which I freaking love, but you know, they do that thing of like having like a saying that like can be like an important thing that, you know, Steve can say at a key moment to, to break through to Bucky. And I was like, that's such a movie thing. Like if, if I was like, if Matt were brainwashed, what would I say to him? I wouldn't have anything. That I'd go, Oh, I'd say play an airlock. <laughs> you would, we have our own thing. That's right. And then I would go, ah, and I would wake up. <laughs> and everything would be okay. <laughs> so he, uh, Jason writes in, uh, Jason who wrote in on Patreon last week, but he tweets um, uh, basically complaining about the big event homework for the Robocop TV series. But uh, getting to listen to Matt and Eric make fun of it, that's worth it alone. So there you go. In the end, light at the end of the tunnel, not an oncoming train. It is us snarking on – I don't know how much I'm going to snark, Eric. I'm just going to be pissed off. I'm really angry about this, um, about these two TV what, shows. What if, I, what if I love them? Oh. <laughs> Eric, the, the guy's name is Dr. Crazy. What can you not like? That's right. A gadget. You gadget. Gadget. They just call me Gadget. I'm a street kid. Um, 
Jason also wrote in again on Patreon just to thank us and saying that, uh, you know, the pandemic year was very hard for him. He says he's in a better place now and wanted to say that this new podcast played a role in his self-actualization. So Jason loves movies. He also loves writing. So he said listening to us um, sort of inspired him and he respects us and the fact that uh, he grew up in his teenage years listening to us, Eric. Uh, I, I'm sure he didn't make us want to make us feel uh, intentionally make us feel old, but eh, you true. did, Ace Jason. Guess what? I mean, also, like, we're like, old. Like we mentioned the MCU now is old enough that people who were like ten are were well into are in their twenties now. Oh know? no, no, for sure. And also, um, I think I did the weird math a few days ago about how what was it? I think like it's almost like forty percent of this country. Uh, literally has only ever known The Simpsons on TV. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if you consider, like, how many millions of people are are within the ages of, like, 33 right. and under in this country, like, if you slice up the pie, it's like, yeah, it's like 40, over 40% of this country has never lived in a world without The Simpsons. That's how long that show has been on. Yeah. Okay. That, that's the kind of math I do. Uh, what do you guys do? <laughs> so, math. Yeah. Uh, it just got renewed for two more years. So Jason also wrote, for this week, uh, he's still doing the thing where he's doing the good thing to enjoy. But he said that his good thing to enjoy this week was us and our actual Aww, re- recap and review of WandaVision. So I'll plug that again for those. Um, if you've watched WandaVision, please uh, listen to It's Only an Hour. Uh, a little shorter than usual than our usual uh, brand of podcasting. Just talking about Wanda and Vision together in WandaVision. All right. So who wants to go first with the good thing? Uh, I will. All right. Go for it. Uh, my thing was uh, uh, inspired by seeing it got renewed for a third season today while its uh, debut date in, uh, for season two in June was also announced simultaneously, which is Central Park on Apple TV plus. Um, I know I've mentioned in passing that Apple TV plus has a lot of good things to enjoy. <laughs> um, it is, uh, it is definitely doing a, uh, I mean, really it's only, it's only the service at this point is that it's another streaming service. It's another streaming service and it has no library content. That's their big. Ooh, problem. that's hard. That's, that's the hard thing, right? That's, that's like you, when you don't have like this D, you know, Disney plus is like, look, we have all these old Disney movies and Marvel movies. And, uh, you know, uh, that's why they make sure Paramount plus made that deal with epics to have like a big library movies. Uh, because yeah, uh, Apple TV plus has almost nothing. Like they made a deal for the peanut stuff, which was controversial. I think they have the original Fla- Fraggle Rock cause they have the new one, but they have almost nothing old, but they have a bunch of good new stuff, but I completely understand why people are not like, I need to get that. Uh, but if you were to get it either because you got a free year of Apple TV Plus, which you get if you buy anything Apple right now, I think they're still doing that deal. Or if you decide, hey, I'll get it for a month just to check out some stuff because there is several things you can check out there. Uh, Central Park is great. Um, it is a super uh, funny, creative show that is uh, an animated show. It's also a musical. Every episode has completely original songs. Uh, they have really uh, the main songwriters wrote like one of the frozen shorts, not not the Lopez's who did the movies and did the WandaVision songs, but uh, these other people who did the sh- songs for one of the shorts and they do some really cool songs. But then also they have people write one off songs all the time. And Fiona Apple wrote one and I believe Amy Mann did one. And uh, they're like anyone else that Paul Thomas Anderson is a huge fan <laughs> yes, of. Yeah, only Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're only very- anyone who's ever played at the Largo. 
Yes, anyone who's been at the Largo, you got a song. Uh, Sarah Silverman. <laughs> um, no, but it's uh, they're very they're like they're great. Like you're like I could see these in a Broadway show, but like really fun. You know, it's a comedy, so they're comedic songs, and uh, the cast is great. It's you know Josh Gad produces it. He's also one of the stars, but he basically hired everyone from uh, Frozen, and um, um, uh, he's had some of his Book of Mormon castmates on, but then also Hamilton. Uh, so a bunch of people from Hamilton are on it, uh, including David Diggs. Am I saying his name right? David Diggs, who's on Snowpiercer. Yeah. And uh, they did not promote that show with him singing It Must Be Ice. So it's already – I don't know why that show's even on the air. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but but – um, got it. That was – I really wish they'd done that now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but Central Park also has uh, a uh, – Speaking earlier of WandaVision, Catherine Hahn uh, has a central role. That's right. Yeah, she is on that, isn't she? Uh, she, she, uh, the the main couple in the show uh, is her and uh, Leslie Odom Jr. from um, Hamilton. Uh, you and mean from Person of Interest? From Person of Interest. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, they're great. You can hear if you liked hearing Catherine Hahn sing Agatha along, which she did sing. You can hear her sing more stuff. It's the Bob's Burgers producers, and it has that look. You know, you know that happens. Um, with uh, animation, um, Matt Greening, all his shows have that his his look, the Simpsons character look. So uh, Central Park has the Bob's Burgers character look. Um, so you'll you'll be familiar with that. And I really like it. The first season was great. It made me very happy during COVID. Uh, and when we needed happiness in this world, we still do. Um, and season two is coming this summer, and they just renewed it for season three. And there you so go. So what you oh, should, I- what everyone should do is this summer get one of them free weeks or something of Apple yes. Plus because. Let's face it, the reason you're going to do it is to watch Ted Lasso, which is great. Which but is great. while you've got Ted Lasso on there, you can watch this, the first and second season, because you say it drops this summer, of Central Park. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, June 25th. That's when season There you go. Coming. So there, everyone set your set your clocks. <laughs> set your clocks. Set your clocks for June 25th. Okay, um, let's see here. Uh... My okay, so last week I was a little torn. I recommended The Edge, a movie I really like, but I was all I got all caught up in the weeds about like it's only got sixty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, this week I'm going even lower for a movie. I'm surprised I didn't wasn't one of my first movies that I recommend on Good Thing to Enjoy, and it's a movie that I don't find now. It is a cult movie. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, over the years has become a cult movie. But I haven't really ever found another big fan of this movie, Eric, in all my years, except for I myself. Like I've seen on Twitter once or twice. I thought I found. I'm a... just saying, for a movie with a cult following, I still feel like it should have more. You're, than, you're, a, you're a substantial part of the more movie. than just me. <laughs> yeah, it's like if I'm 50 percent of this cult following, I, I, I would believe it because I say you're like 25. percent It's very much like there are dozens of us, like <laughs> like Tobias. Okay, um, it is so. We've also we can also just throw it out there that Eric and I recommend wholeheartedly always, and so we don't have to make it an actual entry. Uh, Dread, which is the good Judge Dread movie, as opposed to the ones from uh, from the nineties starring Sylvester Stallone. Now, mm-hmm. Judge Dread is from a uh, basically uh, he's a there was a British science fiction magazine called 2000 AD. And that's where Judge Dredd comes from. It was stories from this magazine. It wasn't like an actual... At first, it wasn't an actual running comic. You would find Judge Dredd stories in this sort of... Uh, what would you call it? It was sort of an anthology magazine yeah, of sci-fi uh, comics. And uh, one of the stories in it... Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
Um, one of the stories in, in it was about a killer robot. And uh, the movie I'm recommending this week is called Hardware. It's from 1990. It was directed by Richard Stanley, who himself has a weird, interesting career, because this was his first movie after he directed some music videos and a documentary. And then he directed another uh, um, movie that was well-received called, um, man, what was it? Dust Devil, I believe. And then then he was most known for being the director who left The Island of Dr. Moreau, yes. which was the disastrous film from 1996 starring uh, David Thewlis, Marlon Brando, and Val Kilmer. Anyway, uh, Richard Stanley continued to write stuff, but not really direct stuff until very recently he did The Color Out of Space. So he came back after like decades of not directing anything right, right. in 2018 and did The Color Out of Space starring Nicolas Cage. So Hardware is a movie that it's just... I love it. It's not a great movie. I love it so much. It's got an amazing Public Image Limited song that's become one of my favorite songs of all time. And it. I love the look of it, the atmosphere, and it is a grandfathered in 2000 AD Judge Dredd verse movie. Because, uh, as you would, as I'll tell you, the movie got sued because the screenwriter of Hardware literally lifted the story from a 2000 AD uh, comic. Based, mm-hmm. it, it, the, the story came from... Uh, uh, the story was called Shock, with an exclamation point, and it came from a 2000 AD comic. And uh, the, the, the uh, uh, Fleetway Comics actually won the lawsuit against this movie because um, I don't know where Richard Stanley supposedly wrote it, but I don't know if he was the one who actually took it from the story or not either right. way it's a judge dread movie as far as i'm concerned it stars dylan <laughs> mcdermott it's got it has a very small it's cast the first judge dread movie you might say technically that. yeah it was before the stallone one so it's got dylan mcdermott in it stacy travis uh william hookins the hoot uh from the star Hookins. wars star wars uh indiana jones and batman universe mm-hmm. william hookins and then it's got uh, John Lynch. It's got Ig- Iggy Pop as like a voice on the radio. And that's kind of it because it's a very small story. Now, just imagine the Judge Dredd universe. And you've got a soldier coming home who has to get his girlfriend a present. And she is sort of like a reclusive, shut-in industrial artist using like welding tools and metal to make like her, her artwork. But she doesn't leave her. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Apartment, that's why I was talking about the quarantine-ness of this movie earlier. And he finds uh, some scavenger out in the Badlands, finds a bunch of robot parts. And he's like, oh, my girlfriend will love these. And he brings them back to her. And little do they know that it is a disassembled, like, ex- extermination robot that was met, a part of a, gov- a scrapped government plan for population control. And it sort of reassembles itself inside the apartment and stalks everyone. And so it's a very close quarters movie because a lot of it takes place inside of this uh, dystopian future apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I've liked it ever since I saw it. I thought it worked really well. I think it's got a really cool, creepy tone to it and a claustrophobia and a sense of urgency and danger. And it, it interests me, Eric. It interests me. So that's my recommendation. <laughs> and unfortunately, it is not streaming anywhere. <laughs> and it's not even on print in print on Blu-ray or DVD, I think. Though I, I have think it on Blu-ray, but it's out of print. Yeah. Uh, you can get it for $31 on uh, Amazon. Uh, but is it in English? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe not. It might be region two. So you might not be able to legally find this movie currently. But <laughs> uh, but if you really care about Matt, you'll you'll feel you'll find a way. Uh, as soon as here's the thing, I'm recommending it. As soon as I find out it's streaming anywhere, I will let you know on this podcast. Sure. But there you go. please don't go out of your way. But <laughs> if it's on cable one day i don't know uh try to tape it we'll have um, the hardware update the constant hardware updates every week here on we enjoy so that's my good thing to enjoy i even reviewed that movie for my high school newspaper zeitgeist <laughs> nice amazing <laughs> and the only time i've seen that movie matt showed it to me on vhs yeah that's how long ago <laughs> All right. Maybe they can just buy it on VHS. Sure, sure. For like $500. (laughs) Eric, I'm so mad about what we have to talk about right now. First of all, make sure people are prepped for next week with the thrilling conclusion of our RoboJunk. Oh, should it be our main event, though? Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Go for it. Tell them what to watch and where. Uh, Both of which you should just go to YouTube. Uh, 1988, RoboCop, the animated series, episode one, Crime Wave, you'll find on YouTube. And 1998's RoboCop Alpha Commando, episode one, Justice Reborn, part one. We're not even going to commit to watching more than part one, Matt. (laughs) I think we're we're good. No, no, I didn't even want to watch half of the stuff we watched this week. (laughs) The other thing I thought it'd be fun to throw in for next week was the WCW segment, which oddly is not available i mean it maybe it's somewhere but i couldn't easily find it just on its own i can find a lot no of i know i know i actually out. watched before i ditched wwe network this past week mm-hmm. i watched a majority of capital combat okay from 1990 okay. just to see where robocop showed up but also i like watching old wcw so i was just watching mm-hmm. the card too and a lot of tag team matches in that it was really fun you can watch uh, rock and roll express versus the uh uh, Midnight Express, you can watch uh, Doom take the tag team titles from the Steiner Brothers. It's really good. Anyway, uh, the main event is uh, Ric Flair versus Lex Luger inside a cage. But halfway through the card is where Robo. The funny thing is, it's called Capital Combat, The Return of Robocop. So I could talk about it now, but if you want us to also watch it, we'll talk about it next week. 
I mean, I was gonna say if people want, if we can talk a little bit about next week, we'll talk about uh, it next week. Uh, if people, if people want to look up, like I said, it's hard to just find just the footage. It's mostly like videos where they talk about the footage or kind of show it within the context of this other, a conversation about it. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, Eric. Who's gonna believe a dog count boy? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was a reference to the skaters? I assume it is. I don't no, know. the dog town. Well, oh, you mean like actual? Yeah. See, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, someone, if anyone out there who's listening is actually from Detroit and can tell me if Dogtown is sort of a neighborhood in Detroit or if it's a skater reference or of some sort, because uh, I don't know. Is Cadillac Heights an actual neighborhood in Detroit that they were brought up in RoboCop Three and also referenced again in one of these shows? Mm. So uh, I think the second show. I told you they both blur together in my fucking head. Like both of these shows. I think the second one. The old lab tech, like, says she used to live in Cadillac Heights when it was a war zone, which makes me wonder. Uh, Okay. So, both of these shows are Canadian. Uh, This was a little bit of the pain that uh, I felt when I watched the first episode, or first couple episodes of Crow Stairway to Heaven, which was also a Canadian show, where it's just these Canadian TV shows bought the rights to certain things. I think they gave... Uh, Canada's Sky Vision Entertainment gave Orion Pictures $500,000 for licensing rights to just make a TV show. Yeah. And what we go through with the 90, 1994 show and then the 2001 Robocop Prime Directives, Prime Directives was literally them making a show so they wouldn't keep, they, they the, rights. keep the rights. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Which is always the best reason to make a movie. Always the best reason to make a movie. Just asked all of Fantastic Four. Um, right. And, okay, so... First up, the stark differences between the two shows are uh, one is more aimed towards kids and doesn't have killing, and the second one does. Uh, yeah. The second one is has more... They're both utterly ridiculous, but the second one actually has a little more of the violence that you would expect mm-hmm. from Robocop. Not the gore, not the over-the-top uh, satirical, <laughs> satirical gore that Verhoeven introduced. Uh, satirical gore. That's if you were saying it like terrible lie, like the Nine Inch Nails song. Okay. Um, <laughs> both of them start with a news broadcast too. So they're trying to have it all with the funny take on the satirical news of the time, like trying to like, this is the ridiculous time we're living in. And um, uh, it's just weirder when it's a kid's show. Yeah. yeah. Like the first and, one. And again, you know, the, the 94. <laughs> so we're, this show was coming out right after RoboCop 3 had opened and bombed which was also trying to pivot into like RoboCops for kids. And they were still on that with this, but even, even more dramatically. And this one, Oh, I'm telling you. Oh man. Okay. So it opens with, okay, this is, here's the news report. But, but here's, here's another thing I want to say behind the scenes, which is just that bizarrely, cause you wouldn't know it watching it, but the pilot to this 94 show is written by Ed Newmeyer and Michael Miner, who wrote the original movie. So this was they returned the, right, to this, write this pilot. But but from what I from what I understand, this was was going to be their RoboCop two script. I think it, it was partially and the, like there and, was well, obviously stuff. because they had to tailor it for kids and stuff. Yeah, but they were writing something for RoboCop two that they sort of had to bow out of because of the the writer strike. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. Called Corporate Wars. And so that's a lot of this feels like that. I don't know what exactly they took from their original idea for RoboCop 2, but apparently some of that was in this. Mm-hmm. And the news report starts with um, a, a 
serial killer known as the Dogtown Ripper. And homeless people are going missing. Now, that's that's a plot that's used in a lot of different movies. But to have it actually on a news report, every police show I've ever seen or every thriller or crime thriller, the whole reason people kill prostitutes and homeless people is because no one cares about them. But not this news team, Eric. This news right. team constantly reports on missing homeless people. Like, <laughs> anyone would notice. Like, later in the episode, the, the Lewis character, what's her name, Madigan? Yes. Was like, there was a, a homeless guy who went missing, and she's like, where's fucking Hot Beans Pete? I don't know what his name is. Like, <laughs> where's Trash Can Joe? He's gone. He's never gone. And he's a homeless person. Like, And, and, and by the way, even though both these shows exist in, you know, basically kind of their own continuity or very loosely connected to the films apparently and this isn't 100 percent confirmed that i could find but it sounds like they might have only had the rights to alex murphy robocop like they couldn't have used other i, I even read that they wanted to use ed 209 in the second show and they couldn't uh like it was pretty but, specific that, but then they had to do. specifically pay to use the clarence boddicker footage Yes, yes. <laughs> so while you don't get Lewis and you don't get, uh, what was the sergeant's name? Reed. Shit. Reed. You don't get Reed. You don't get Lewis. You get like. The old man. But like also in the next TV show too, you get the prototypes of them. You get, you, their, you get their, their facsimiles, their shadows of them, like uh, the idea of them in different characters. Uh, but it was weird because uh, I didn't know what to expect going into this. So I didn't know if this was a uh, RoboCop origin story. But we're five years into RoboCop now. So yeah. if you wanted to, you could pretend it came after the third movie. But there's really nothing at all, aside from the fact that the first movie happened and this is the way he died at the hand of Clarence. Which is just so weird considering how nonviolent. I mean, you already you already said how funny it was to see that footage in RoboCop 3. And now they used it again. <laughs> and it's even more. It's like, it just keeps getting more and more removed. From its source, that we keep seeing it, you know? Like, the first thing you see is a guy who looks like a silly Jimmy Durante puppet who's supposed to have been scarred with acid, but he looks like a silly... like Bad face. Yeah, he looks like a silly alien, and he gets... And then Robocop, like, Nordbergs him out of the building in a wheelchair in almost like a comedic slapstick Yeah, Robocop could, could just shoot him, but doesn't. <laughs> he does something that, that could have also easily killed him so either way um so i can't remember the name of this killer but he comes back at the end of the the episode but it's an it's a, a once again eric i'm going to nitpick about the consistency of what can hurt robocop and what can't sure it's no movie except maybe the first movie has been able to figure that out because he gets blown up twice in his car thanks to this what'd you call him fun face Pud face. Uh, and he steps out of his car without a scratch on him. Later on, one ma- you know shot from a magic gun takes him down for and out of the episode for like like a good 20 minutes. Again, right. like, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, there's nothing interesting about Robocop past a certain point. Unless you do something drastically different with, with him, these the the second movie focus so much on the the corporate idiots and the criminals and this one does too it's like you realize that your central character is so uninteresting and also very ineffective like both of these shows robocop is not successful at what he does i mean i i guess i do i do disagree with your like you can't make it work as a franchise because 
you can do it like, you know, a comic book that it was a lot of people felt was an influence anyway. And you've already mentioned today, uh, which is Robocop could be like Judge Dredd, which is just like this is the scenario of this stoic character and you put him into interesting stories around him. And it's not really like I'm so into the nuances of Robocop. Oh, if um, if Robocop in any movie past number one was like a fraction of cool as cool as Judge Dredd is right, and right. his Judge Dreadiness, then you can make a series. But he is phenomenally inept. But he he busts whatever the opening danger is, he manages to win he doesn't even do actually in the second show i told you it's all a swirl of awfulness in my head the second show he still beefs it in the first one like he he fails in his first like to stop bone machine and like the whole situation at the beginning and gets taken down right away that in the second show he's always getting i'm just saying i was gonna say not to get ahead of ourselves but we can we can leap around here i will say i guess i'm gonna keep having these like light defenses of the second one i guess like the second one to me at least was being like hey he's old now like even though i feel like they should have made him even more than 10 years but it's like they make a point like he's they they don't he's not fixed like his helmet's like cracked and they're not fixing it and he mentions being kind of old tech so it feels like it's a little more baked in. It is, well, here's the, here's how they made Robocop interesting in the second show, Prime Directives. Uh, we didn't watch all four of them, so obviously the story continues forward. But in the 90 minutes we watched, Eric, the way they made him interesting was by flashing back to when he was yes. Murphy. That's the way they did it. It wasn't Robocop now. We literally watched more story of him with his old partner, uh, Cable, yeah. And like when what we were supposed to assume, I guess, is what happened right before he got transferred to the precinct yep. in the first movie. Like what yep. led up to it was his partner actually killing someone in cold blood. Uh, <laughs> and then that guy was supposed to also still be a hero throughout that rest of that episode somehow. I don't know <laughs> what, what we were supposed to think of him. Anyway, back to the silly, sillier one, which is uh, uh, homeless people are being stolen off the street so that this eccentric crazy scientist who's working with ocp can make neurobrain and he's using human brains to create an ai uh which is also the plot of the second show uh, that is the fair yeah, that was that that floored me when that came up i mean it's not his like it's not as like integral on the second show but it still was incredibly funny to me when it was like oh my god no not this again <laughs> so and then you know uh skipping to the end of this th- this first series uh, uh pilot episode double pilot episode which is that the secretary of the ocp person becomes this sort of holographic ghost ai that controls the city she is now neurobrain Played and, by Andrea Roth, who's like the biggest star of the future in this, uh, you know, known for Rescue Rescue Me and Cloak and Dagger and uh, 13 Reasons Why and a million things. And uh, yeah, who else was in this? No one else, really. Richard Eden played Robocop and we already sort of mentioned him. Um, no, he is not the one from The Hitcher. <laughs> okay, no, so. no, that, that, that Hitchhiker is the second one. Uh, yeah, Richard Eden, I thought, had done, like, soap stuff. I think he was on Santa Barbara in the 80s. But he he stopped working for whatever reason a few years after this. The only other person I knew in this um, was um, – was it Chad? Was he, like, the, the prominent, like, the Miguel Ferrer-esque OCP guy? Um, oh, Chip. Chip, Chip. That's John Rubenstein, who my mom has known forever. And he was a Wolfman and Hart guy on several episodes of Angel. 
Uh, and yeah, like he's he's done a lot. He's you know a character actor. He's been in a lot of things. But I mostly know him because my mom has said the name John Rubenstein, and it's stuck in my head. And uh, he was Chip. Uh, Cliff D. Young, who plays Doctor Crazy, <laughs> Crazy Malardo. Yeah. Uh, is actually also recognizable. He's probably been in a lot of things, I think, uh, film and TV wise. And again, and because of course, there's also the yeah, yeah. Like this show is instantly recognizable as a Canadian shot sci-fi show, but also you know, in the past 25 years, or actually 30 years, I should say, since they uh, started making this, it's like we're so used to shows being shot in Canada, and also a lot of these actors get you know they work over and over and over again. So even if you're not, if even if you can't place them, you're kind of like I know that guy. Oh, yeah, it's like in the wake of BSG, everyone's like, oh, every single you know show shot in Vancouver has a Cylon on it. Um, yep. Let's see. Okay, uh, this. Okay, so that's like the main plot. Five years into RoboCop, uh, he doesn't kill anyone. The the OCP still like they're scumbags, or at least the chip guy certainly is. But he is also teaming up. So they take this from the first movie of like the OCP guy teaming up with some other sort of street crime element. Yeah. So not only is Chip teaming up with the Dogtown Boys to. Uh, capture homeless people and inject them which he does himself by the way like he's boots on the ground guy like getting his hands dirty like he could just like delegate to the to the the streets of rage guys but he doesn't he's out there and that's why he gets spotted by gadget eric by gadget and one of two uh precocious kids in this because we also get jimmy murphy has a kid who says, eat, eat my short scuzz bag. Uh, so was... <laughs> <laughs> Which I have crocheted on a pillow in my rec room. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it was to appeal to kids, but I did like the fact that, um, you know, things shouldn't be okay after your, you know, your police officer dad gets killed in the line of duty so brutally, but also like he ran away because his mom was yelling about his grades. Yeah. Like that's, I don't know. That's a bit of an overreaction, Jimmy Murphy. <laughs> and he winds up, Almost with the Dogtown Boys, who reminded me of the the uh, <laughs> like Shredder's thief out- uh, outfit yeah, yeah. going on in Ninja Turtles. Um, but he's also oh everything blends together. This is the one that has the Rainbow Playroom like foster care home or whatever it is that yes. that 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 the uh, the not read police sergeant keeps chasing gadget around wanting to give her a spanking first of all which is not okay no. um especially since he's the one who wants to adopt her uh but like chip has something going on and i don't remember the woman's name who runs the sh- the, the the orphan shelter but then if the orphan shelter kids aren't good she sends them to be part of the dogtown boys who work for chip i don't know what the fuck is going on here <laughs> It's all it's all too complex for you. Yeah, <laughs> this is a, a I need something a little less cerebral like Tenet, um, <laughs> so that I could wrap my 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 small small mind around it. So yeah, and that's the whole thing. That's where uh, one of my favorite lines. I la- I don't know why I laughed out loud. Same reason you laugh thinking of me throwing away a sandwich in a linen bin, which is <laughs> when uh, Chip and this woman are like talking about like the Dogtown Boys and like what if they say something and he's and Chip's like. Who's going to believe a Dogtown boy? (laughs) 
<laughs> that was good. Um, I laughed at uh, the guy on rollerblades uh, flying at Robocop. <laughs> go to school. Uh, go back to go school. Go to school, punk. That's right. Uh, it, I did. It's funny. I, I wondered if no one would die in this show. People do die off screen, like in the elevator and stuff. And I guess Andrea Roth is well, killed become neurobrain yeah but but also um yeah everyone who was like all the homeless people yeah. like uh stinky stew and rat face yes, brad yes. yeah like all the homeless people who are so sorely missed immediately after they vanish in old detroit and uh then on top of this okay so chip's got that going on she's got the the awful orphanage he's taking brains but then dr crazy Milardo is pulling, he's doing a bamboozle on OCP. So then yeah. he takes over OCP, and what happens is that OCP, the chairman, that's all he's credited as, we don't know his name, and this is not the old man. It's just the chairman. Yeah, because, which, because he doesn't know RoboCop. It's like you would think if it was a continuation of the movies, it'd be like, oh yeah, RoboCop, he actually saved my life once. You know, like, no, no there's right. none of that. But then they get on board because they're such, you know, self-serving sleazes, they're like, oh, the only way to save us from Dr. Crazy Malardo is to actually fix RoboCop. Because, right. as we mentioned, RoboCop fell on his ass because of one gunshot. Because he always falls on his ass. That's all he is, is falling on his ass, RoboCop. He doesn't do shit. <laughs> uh, he does have a, uh explosive that comes out of his left leg. <laughs> That's their big uh, addition. Gun out of the right. Now he's got like a little uh, explodey thing on the left. That's right. I looked it up. Uh, I was trying to remember that Riptorn was the the CEO. So they're continuing that motif of like the <laughs> the, na- the nameless leader, the chairman. Isn't, isn't it weird in a a show that's a little more family oriented and oriented towards kids and maybe toys? A toy line should it have succeeded? Um, that they had that like weird exercise scene that was so meant to look like a sex scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that 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 was weird and then a little bit was the uh like the marines posing nude which I get I mean like it was an, it was a meta joke sort of because it's like the kids are watching that in the show. So it almost seemed like a, almost like perverse because they know they're making a show really aimed at kids and they're doing <laughs> a parody of kids watching inappropriate stuff. It just it was a whole weird thing going on there. I don't know what the fuck is going on with this show, but uh, what was the? Oh, they, they also had the line uh, Hitler was an amateur. I did like that line too. Oh well, that because that's why he objected to be calling to be. He's like, how dare you call me Hitler? Hitler was right, an amateur. Right. See, it's a it's a twist, Eric. It's a twist. He's crazy. <laughs> yes, um, yes. So. Uh, I can't remember the name of that weird Geraldo type show yes, that we yeah. keep cutting back to. Um, I thought I wrote it in my notes. But anyway, Gadget, the uh, precocious, <laughs> scrappy young girl who uh, reminded me a little of um, – she had a little sh- – um, what's her name from The Crow? Sarah from Sarah the from the Crow vibe. She needed a skateboard, and she needed to yeah. not like. Well, she could have gotten one dog. from the Dogtown. She could have, or rollerblades for that point. Because they, um, well, there was, you know, I guess there wasn't a skateboarder, but there might as well have been. So I think um, uh, early on in the episode, that uh, host, that Phil Donahue, Sally Jesse Raphael type host, was like, "Should people over sixty be allowed to vote?" And I had actually stopped for a little bit. I was like. Uh, should they? Because we're in a point now where, like, the serious discussions should be had of people over 70 should be allowed to uh, be in the Senate or something like that here. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Faye Corraldo makes a good point, I think. 
And uh, I don't know. This, this movie ends with um, Dr. Milardo being like tortured in an elevator up, down, up, down because uh, Neurobrain is Early not. CG, fa- early very fakey TV CG. <laughs> Going up and down. And uh, I don't know what the future held for Robocop and Neurobrain if she became like a weird partner to him or a help or a love interest. I don't know. <laughs> for <laughs> Robocop. Uh, this is a world where uh, his... Uh, wife and child still don't know who he is and he sort of keeps the weird creepy stalker tabs on them somehow but uh, their their home life is not okay because the kid was falling in with the Dogtown boys and we'll see a much different version of Jimmy Murphy in the next show yes um, but yeah so all, all in all I was watching this and I know I was watching it in a very bad transfer on YouTube and so it looked extra awful but even if I clean that up and I could could kind of do that in my mind, I was like, "We did we? Is this what things looked like that we used to watch, Eric? Like, I, like if I went back and watched the Flash TV show, is would it look fucking like this? This was depressing. I think it might. I think it this might. was depressing. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Though even though it did have that like shot in Canada look that is very instantly identifiable, it was funny to me because then I was reading how this show was pretty pricey. It was like a million to a million point uh, two five per episode. Which I do think in '94 there weren't a ton of shows that cost that much. Uh, so, and I think like Next Gen cost about that much, which yes, like had kind of instantly dated effects, but still I think you could see more production value on the screen. Um, the only thing I'll say is like ro- they clearly spent like one thing they're spending money on on all these shows is Robocop himself. To their credit, he always looks right. Like they don't skimp on the costume. So it's like, but after you only have to build that costume once. So I still don't know like exactly, I guess there's explosions and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, it is distinct. If I looked at other shows from 94, I think maybe some would look like this, but I hope they wouldn't all look like that. Cause yeah, that was a, uh, it looks so bad. It, it looked really bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second the one only, doesn't, only, only other things I want to say about the first one. Yeah, go for it. Just two lines of dialogue, which is simply that they, they redo, seeing his wife say, I really have to tell you something. I love you. So they like redo that moment. And when he's flashing back with with the new actress. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it seemed like a Paul Verhoeven in joke, especially given this would have been shortly after that. They have someone very pointedly say to help your total recall. And I felt that's right. I don't (laughs) think I put, I, now you reminded me of that. I don't think I wrote that in my notes because I was just at that point I was like, nothing matters. Um, (laughs) <laughs> not even like in jokes. <laughs> I was like, I just want this to be over. Um, prime directives. 
Uh, specifically, Prime Directives is a more interesting delivery model because it's was kind of four movies. Yeah. And this is just the first of the four movies. and Which, all... obviously, I'm sure if it had been successful, they wanted it to be a weekly series. But this is what we got. <laughs> Opens again. So we're in a little more darker, mature territory. Still not good at all. But this is, you know, this is a little more lethal than what we just left behind. And, and I did think I got I had a little bit more legit laughs from the news stuff. Like I thought they nothing. They weren't replicating like the best of it. But there were a couple times where I thought, okay, especially with the on screen, how everything is an ad and how like, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be like, like, you know, when, when, when like the, the bomber blows himself up, there's like a thing about like how to build a bomb. Like it's like everything's an ad. I thought <laughs> you mean, that, Napalm Joe. Funny. Yeah. There was some funny ideas with the, the ads that this time or with the, uh, the newscast. I thought that was, it was the first time in a while that I actually was laughing at purposely at some of the things they did in those. I'll tell you what I loved about the newscast that opened this one. The yeah. co-anchor is PJ Flinders and Ashley Sinjin Smythe. Which are amazing names, uh, and I feel like Mike Shore should be made known. <laughs> I think someone should tell Mike Shore that PJ Flinders is a name because uh, he really got into bizarre names in on Parks and Rec, you know, yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> with like Bird Happily and stuff like that. That it was like a it was like a a calling card for him almost. And the writers where they just uh, the the Pawnee residents would always have like really interestingly silly names. And uh, right. that's what I thought of with PJ Flinders. Ashley Sinjin Smythe, I always remember Sinjin Smythe as being James Bond's alias at the beginning yep. of Vito a Kill. Yep. Um, when he's trying to infiltrate Max Zorin's equestrian party. That is what I also thought and of. Where, uh, where Christopher Walken says the line, I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> in the walkiest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, now RoboCop is 10 years old, and as you mentioned, you thought he should be a little bit older. But yeah, you were mentioning how he's sort of old news at this point, to the point where there's no upkeep going on, except for that old woman who used to live in Cadillac Heights. Right, right. Uh, they, uh, I did think it was funny, I was reading behind the scenes, that when they do at the beginning the RoboCop's greatest moments... Uh, they use footage from the 94 series because, again, like Matt mentioned, this show was made to retain like the uh, the people in Canada who had the TV rights were like, oh, shit, we're going to lose the rights unless we make something else. So they made this. Uh, so they use footage from that old show in that montage, I guess. Uh, the most So Richard Eden gets to make an appearance. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wondered where that sort of like. Uh, Robocop Gone Wild VHS montage tape came from. And which, and again, that, that show did, it was a full 22 episode season, so they had plenty to pull from for that. Okay, um, there was something very sad. This doesn't happen until later in the episode, where, um, because the only one who cares about him is that old woman, uh, tech, who's yeah. just sort She's of a like Robocop. Yeah. yeah, uh, but then she leaves him, and he's like, alone in the dark, sitting there, <laughs> like, with his <laughs> eyes open, like, he doesn't go to, like, he doesn't go into sort of sort of like weird cyber sleep or robot like uh you know debugging mode or something like that like he has to sit there in the dark just thinking all by himself it's so sad <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying is out there you can be uh the robocop on the prowl or you could be the sad robocop sitting in the dark by yourself yeah, yeah. staring at mm -hmm. a wall thinking about uh a lot about your old partner mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this show had was also labyrinthine in plot, Eric, and complicated. Too complicated for me to 
to comprehend, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, we get another smarmy young exec who he's the one pitching the neurobrain, or as he calls it, Saint, which is just some AI program. I guess AI was still popular for a full 10 years. Everyone was just doing AI this and AI that <laughs> right, right. to the point where it was still a huge plot point in this um, RoboCop series. But then you've also got young Jimmy Murphy, who is now an OCP exec, and you learn that both of his parents died. So not just his dad, but his mom somewhere along the line also died. Mm -hmm. I told you that's what happens, Eric. That's why Iman should have died when David Bowie died. It doesn't work that way, but yes, okay. Okay, so... I wish you a long and happy life, Amon. But he was, like, he was, like, raised by OCP somehow? Like, in an OCP orphanage? And, like, groomed to be an executive and owes his life to them because they were his parents? That's weird. I'm just... <laughs> I mean, they both shows do the thing, I mean, actually, the first one, I think, he does even more of, like, that OCP makes everything so sure why not i guess they have a orphanage too they, they just... if they make everything eric how are they 70 billion over budget <laughs> that's i don't understand this so they ocp is on the precipice of bankruptcy because of their privatized city but somehow they also have a weird cult that runs that's like within them called the trust yeah, that, that, was, that was weird yeah how did the trust let them get 70 billion over budget <laughs> what is the trust doing a bad job i'm saying they're the worst hydra infiltration ever i don't know what's going on with whatever they do down in the like the memory vaults but clearly the company is about to go under and they're not doing anything right and uh, so I don't I don't know the names of any of these characters, Eric. Uh, Only yeah, Jimmy Murphy and Cable. I remember Cable. Oh, I did. I think I did put down. Um, oh, there Dr. are two Cables because there's the, the ex-wife Cable. Yes, yes, who's a villain. Okay, so she so ex-wife Cable is trying to bring Jimmy into the trust, right? Yes. Okay, but she's also working with who? Somebody? Oh, she's working with Bone Machine. Sarah Cable, yes, and she's working with Bone Machine. Who somehow she promised Bone Machine that he would be the new Robocop, and he's in like an old cop from Cable and Murphy's past. But look at what Bone Machine looks like, Eric. <laughs> he's going to be the new top cop? I mean, if they just need his face. <laughs> this idiot with his skull face and his giant, like... <laughs> Like parachute pant gun hands? I mean, I don't think they're going to keep that when he becomes <laughs> Robocop. I don't know. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, the majority of this, aside from I, aside from the plot with Bone Machine and whatever Saint is doing, I don't even know what the villainy is in this, except for the fact that OCP is behind Bone Machine, or at least she is. Mm -hmm. uh, most of it focuses on Cable... And and his interactions with RoboCop, and then RoboCop remembering his past as Murphy with Cable. And again, yeah, one because we're the, this show, I think both shows, but certainly this show, it's like that. Yeah, people don't know that Murphy and RoboCop are the same person, so he's like kind of figuring it out. Well, so knew. was he was he actually figuring it out as we went along in this episode? 
I felt like he was starting to at least. I don't know if he. Yeah. That's okay. A, that's all right. Impression I, I. Well, I also had a question about RoboCop right when at the beginning of this, where it's like OCP has some weird no killing policy, and Cable's like, "What are you supposed to do?" You know, once again making peace and negotiations and uh, de-escalation of violence the enemy, uh, whereas right. <laughs> which is something that they kind of did in RoboCop too. Uh, to the point, you know, like the only thing that will stop criminals is this bazooka. You know, that's the real answer, and that's what Robocop is supposed to represent. So that's very much present in this show. But then Robocop shows up, and like OCP, he doesn't follow OCP orders, but then the cops don't like him either. So I don't know who he works for, and it makes more sense now that he's just sitting alone in the dark because he, <laughs> he doesn't seem nobody likes him and he doesn't work for anyone. So just Dr. Frost. <laughs> Is that her name? Yes. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, like, so there was that, there's a moment where Robocop walks in and Cable is playing a game of chess with himself. And then we flash back and it learned, we learned that he used to play with Murphy. Right. And he used to beat Murphy with something called the Cable Maneuver. Uh, <laughs> That's like how I beat you at Connect 4 with the Goldman Maneuver. The Goldman Maneuver. Uh, I couldn't tell what the, the, as far as I could tell, so the only thing he describes the cable maneuver being is, uh, man, what is it? Oh, so it's like, you have to be prepared to do anything to win. You'll never see it coming. Uh, but that's very vague, Eric. That's all vague. Right. Like, there's no actual cable maneuver. <laughs> I feel like anytime he wins at anything unintentionally, he's just like, I have the cable maneuver. <laughs> That's, you gotta be ready for the cable maneuver. Um, I'm just saying that Robocop and this guy aren't particularly good at anything. So for them to claim a maneuver uh, is is uh, quite a leap. Uh, as you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, uh, yeah, the star. This time, uh, Paige Fletcher uh, plays Robocop. Uh, he was uh, the star of the uh, 80s anthology series The Hitchhiker, which I very recently told Matt existed uh, as one of my first HBO memories because it had cool opening credits. And Paul Verhoeven directed an episode of that. So this guy had worked with, with Paul Verhoeven at some one point. Why didn't this show get the Total Recall joke? <laughs> exactly. Also, I read that the that the previous star from the other show, Eden, what's his name? Yeah, Richard Eden. He was in talks to actually reprise the role. But... Although they also said we we kind of skipped over the fact that they initially did try to get Weller to star in the '94 show, and that would have been crazy. <laughs> this is a little spoiler for next week's RoboCop talk about um, the wrestling. Is that from all reports, Eric? From everything I've read and everything I've listened to, it's Peter Weller as RoboCop. Yeah, but but the it weirdest does, who can I can't spot him. Like I'm looking yeah, at but, it, but also why is no one asked Weller about this at this point? Like you know, I don't know. I, it was good enough for IMDb to give him credit for it. If, if you or I ever get to talk to him, we are absolutely asking about this. Are but, you RoboCop? <laughs> are, were you WC? Did you team up with Sting? <laughs> was it called Combat? <laughs> Capital Combat, because it took Capital place in Combat. Washington, D.C. Um, I've I've got 10 minutes with you, and we're going to talk about Capital Combat for all 10 minutes. And just a little bit about Into Darkness, and that's it. <laughs> Let's see. Um, we could do that, right? I, I'm tangenting here, because I just rewatched the J.J. Abrams-verse of Star Trek movies, the three of them, even though the third one wasn't J.J. Abrams, uh, the Kelvin-verse. Produced it. And... Um, 
We can do the Star Trek movies, sort of. Okay. That's, that's a that's a good like. Man, that's a long one though, too. But that's I was going to say we we might want to uh, even although it's not we'll, as we'll as break Bond, it up with like we'll some... break it up by generations. Yeah, we could uh, take breaks. We could oh. do like the six, then go to something else, and then the come six, back. The six, then to... the four, then the three. And then the three. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. And, then, all right. and then we just do every episode of the original series, the next gen, and Voyager. <laughs> and and yeah, we do all seven to eight hundred episodes of all the shows. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of done talking about this. I will say that, uh, so the end of this is, you know, he is a showdown between Cable and Robocop and Bone Machine, where at that point Cable was framed as Bone Machine, and it was on, everyone was hunting for him, and, oh, Robo, that's the thing. Here's the danger of, of leaving Robocop sitting alone in the dark is that he'll get reprogrammed by some idiot like just coming in and giving him new orders, which was to kill Cable. Right, right. So he's after which, Cable. Which, then they do the callback to Dead or Alive, you're coming with me. But we've already seen that he has Directive 4 now is Terminate John Cable. So not really. It's just dead. He's like, like dead or deader. Yeah, sometimes dead is deader. I think uh, that I laughed when... No, I'm sure I laughed. I don't think I laughed. I'm pretty... I'm confident that I laughed... It was seemed very extended and drawn out the moment when he was fighting so hard not to shoot. Like he had to like turn to like shoot or not shoot cable. What was he trying to do? I can't remember. He was fighting his programming and it was ridiculous is my point. Because the real bone machine came in and so he wanted to not attack cable anymore and attack the real bone machine. But he was still fighting it direct before. So he had a big... Back and forth with himself. Yeah, it was dumb as hell. Uh, also, <laughs> if anyone just spoke like they did on a regular TV show, this would have been like 30 minutes shorter. I don't know if you actually looked at some of the scenes or like, like I think I was just like so like depressedly mem- mesmerized by a lot of this where the dialogue is so slow, Eric. Like when yeah, two yeah. characters are talking to each other, especially if we're talking the OCP characters... It is so slow and drawn out. Uh, I I remember a scene in particular when like uh, Sarah Cable walks into her office and finds the other young exec there. Like right, he was about to send like a weird email saying that everyone stinks or something. And I don't know. It felt like, <laughs> it's like, am I watching Fire Walk with me? What's happening here? <laughs> you were absolutely watching far with and then i guess we should talk about the the jimmy murphy of it all a little more just like that was their big kind of you know, a big sort of change to everything is jimmy murphy they they're certainly aging him up because he's like seems like he's like at least in his mid-20s here uh but yeah that he is a a young man who is working for ocp doesn't know robocop is his dad and obviously now you've got this uh this tension of this is my son and he's working for evil ocp and uh, RoboCop has that moment where he walks up to him but doesn't say anything. And Well, uh, I couldn't even get a handle on what OCP was in this show either. Because even in the first show, they had a hand in like resurrecting RoboCop at the end to sort of save their asses from Dr. Crazy. Yeah. But this one, they're all over the place. There's like a woman who's in charge, but she's just worried about everything going under. And then you've got Sarah Cable having some weird deal with Bone Machine. And then you've got this other guy who's trying to get Saint off the ground and I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know what OCP is. Like, because then Jimmy's there like, yeah, OCP isn't bad. They're just a company. And like, hey, I'm going to be the good guy in the company doing good things. And, but yet they raised him. 
So is there like a weird branch of OCP that raises idealists and like good people? (laughs) Or I I don't know how it works because he comes into like uh, basically a, a, a... uh, den of thieves are already to backstab each other, but he doesn't seem equipped for that because even though he went through OCP, so I don't know, yeah, they don't really have then, a, a, a identity in this. And then they've got the weird trust within them. So I don't know. And then it's like, is Dr. Frost OCP or not? Because at the end, when they're going to turn cable into a new RoboCop, they have that guy who was supposed to have worked on Murphy is like, it's been a long time since I've done this, but Dr. Frost isn't there. So it's like there's, you know, yeah, this but that, is yeah, that the, leads back to like when he's first brought onto the scene in the beginning of the episode, like, who is he work for? Because no one seems to want him there. Right. Like, <laughs> he's not UCP and he's not a cop anymore. He's like a guy in a room. <laughs> just a, it's a very existential crisis he's going through. Just a guy in a room, Eric. Just a guy <laughs> in a room without his mask and his old memories. Uh, they had the uh, then. I mean, it's you know, it still works as a joke, but at that time, a highly topical joke of the Chelsea Clinton savings and loan is where the first uh, battle happened. Oh God, I didn't with, even uh, notice that. Napalm Joe and Nitro. Oh, I did. I was like, wait, am I reading Chelsea Clinton's name on the wall? I am. I was just still uh, thinking about how awesome the name PJ Flinders is because that's <laughs> that was the the apex of this episode as far as it happened quick, it happened early, and nothing got better than PJ Flinders. Uh, clearly the, the the references to the uh, first movie, well, first of all, they have a scene where OCP executives are pissing and the guy says, so the supercomputer is going to what? Hold my dingus while I piss? <laughs> Which is a great line. That's what I said to Fred Sch- Schneider when I was taking a piss next to him. <laughs> right. um, and he's like, and what the- are you talking about? <laughs> and I just went, love Shaq and, and ran out. He- Cable says, I'll buy, I'd buy that for a dollar in one of the flashbacks. Oh, God, he does. Uh, so uh, to know that that show was a show that they were watching. Um, yeah, and he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. He just straight up kills a dude. I mean, you know, the cannibal dude. And he's just like. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i OK with that as far as like, you know, Murphy is not happy about that. And so clearly it's supposed to be and even seems to like it's like a reason he transfers is like he doesn't like. Yeah, it. but it's it, getting. I know uh, he. So Murphy who's supposed to be the hero that we root for, that we did in the first movie. You know, having known him a very short amount of time, we still rooted for Murphy. It took very... All it took was like, hey, I learned this gun trick for my son. It was enough to endear us to him. Yeah. This Murphy does not take a stand against police corruption. He does not turn yeah, against I mean, his he, brother, he, he, and he's he, like, he this guy is him. a murderer. I'm going to transfer. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm okay with that in this in this conflicted world, Matt. I mean, I look, you know, the rest of the show, like, you know, is is uh, as I saw, uh, I glanced at the reading up on it. It's like, so Robo Cable, you know. Okay, okay. We have uh, different approaches, maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, it's his old partners, the, another RoboCop, but they were different people at the beginning. Are they enemies? Are they partners? What goes happening? Maybe what that's the thing. You got to keep watching, right? No, I refuse. <laughs> I was already so mad about this entire thing. Um, I, I genuinely, I, I will say that it, there, it, while it is bad, the, like at least Prime Directives, I felt like they were, tr- there was more ideas at work, not just like plot ideas, but like the idea of a past his prime RoboCop. And the idea of like, okay, let's look more Murphy. Like I was like, okay, they're trying a little harder here. Um, they're not doing it well, <laughs> but, uh, and, and having his son, I was like, okay, you know, having his son work at OCP. I was like, okay, well there's more interesting kernels of ideas here. 
Um, but uh, it was not exciting. And it was funny because because I do genuinely think that the new stuff was very funny, but especially the on-screen graphics, which I realized all were added later and you know probably weren't in the script because uh, it wasn't uh, Dynam- wasn't Napalm Joe I was talking about. It was that other guy later on on the news where they show the guy uh, who was one of the sons of Santa Anna who blew up the Alamo. Uh, oh, they, okay, uh, okay, yeah. And uh, that that was very funny just because when he's standing on the steps and uh, first there's a thing about make your own explosives, but then when he, he yells something before he undoes his vest and we see the explosives and quickly the screen says – like Trent is like, that's Latin for death to all tyrants. Uh, so that was funny. Uh, but again, this is people in post who are probably better, funnier than the screenwriters um, putting funny. Just like the, this, like the guy who wrote totally wasted <laughs> in, right. in post of the Robocop three. Um, all right. Uh, both of these shows were the drizzling You're boned, shits. Baby. You're boned, baby. I forgot about that line. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. I resent these shows for existing uh, but they, uh, like I said, they instilled a very important lesson, which is that you cannot continue RoboCop past the first movie. It just does not work. I, I disagree that you can't, uh, but... I uh, well, but I, well, I put to you, how many tries do you get? But that's the thing, is that... Yeah, they, how many they, times do you get to try before you, you <laughs> call it? What's time yeah. of death here? Uh, but they kept trying, and no one, no one was doing it well. Uh, but we're going to have one final week... With the two animated takes oh they did. Oh my god, Eric. What are we doing to our listeners? Why? <laughs> this is so bad. Every week now, we're creating more and more of a case of why we could do the Leprechaun film franchise. Well, that, that, maybe that was the plan all along. <laughs> I don't like that plan. I don't agree with it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you have made it this far, as a treat, I'll put on the a little bit of the Mike Patton TMNT theme for you. If you have uh, been such a trooper as to make it all the way to the end of uh, listening to RoboCop 1994 and RoboCop Prime Directives are good things to watch. Uh, good things to enjoy this week were Hardware from 1990 and Central Park, which you can watch right now on Apple TV Plus if you want another streaming service in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, until next week, everything is possible, but nothing is real. And Shakma. Shakma! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.